Simmons chose the name DMX, which came from an instrument he had used at the boys' home, the Oberheim DMX drum machine. It was later interpreted as Dark Man X. Mm. His whole story is a tragedy. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are all having a great day. I know I am. I am the unforgettable one himself, Mr. Brett Carroll. Charles is always daydreaming, and we're two guys that love discussing other people's excellence. And when you talk excellence in hip-hop, you cannot tell that story about the great DMX. Um, if you're listening to this recording, you probably know the news by now. Unfortunately, uh, he is in critical condition. Um, and in the interest of trying to give him his flowers while he is still here, we are hoping for a, a full recovery, obviously. But, you know, Charles made a good point of this is why you give people their flowers while they're still here. So we kind of want to touch on his excellence now. And, yep. and hopefully... You know, this is a pod that we do just cause. And like I said, hopefully he makes a full recovery and we can just enjoy this pod, not in remembrance, but just loving on DMX because he deserves to be loved. So, Charles, this is your baby. This is, you know, you are a huge DMX fan and you are a huge hip hop fan. So honestly, I'm going to sit back and just let you take over and, uh, you know, do what you got to do. Well, today, April 3rd, 2021, it was reported that DMX was hospitalized after an apparent drug overdose. Uh, and TMZ was the one to break the story. He was, he's in the hospital following a drug overdose. He's 50 years old, real name Earl Simmons, if you don't know out there. He had an overdose which triggered a heart attack at his home around 11 p.m. on Friday. And TMZ wrote that he was taken to the hospital in White Plains, New York, and he's been in the critical care unit since. It's reported by TMZ that he has, quote, some brain activity, end quote, while another said he is in a, quote, vegetative state, end quote. So it's not necessarily looking too well for the rapper. He is 50 and he's probably been dealing with drugs like this since he was a teenager. So for over three decades, at least, which is the sad part, like you alluded to, he is one of my favorite rappers, I think on this podcast, on the dope blog somewhere I've written, he's been in my top five and you know, my top five changes depending on my mood for the most part, I should have like a top 10 or 15 or 20, but DMX was like my first rapper. That was my favorite rapper before I was the big Tupac fan before I was the big Eminem fan before all that, when all I knew was like naughty by nature, Biggie and the Fugees and Nas DMX was there. Like, my older cousins, my older sister, big LL fans. He was on the 4321 track with uh, Redman, Method Man, and Cannabis. And then he was on tracks with The Locks, um, Money, Power, Respect, you know, the classic. He was on Mace's 24 Hours to Live. He had uh, Murder, Inc. with Ja Rule and Jay-Z. Like, I don't know if you know, Murder, Inc. didn't start off as Irv Gotti's label. It was Irv Gotti's super project between uh, DMX, Ja Rule, and Jay-Z. That was supposed to be the original Murder, Inc., that trio. That's why they, the three of them had so many songs in the late 90s together. I remember in 98, he dropped two albums. And the first one, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, and then Flesh of My Flesh and Blood of My Blood. 
And I remember when flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood dropped. It was December of 98. So I'm roughly nine years old. I wanted my mom to buy me that CD, which the cover, if you don't know, is DMX covered in blood with a white background. So needless to say, my mom did not buy me that album. But what like I know you are more of an R&B head. When you think of DMX as like, I guess, a casual fan, what do you think of? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't really listen to DMX like that, but, uh, my friends, a lot of my friends were huge DMX fans. So they listened to him a lot. Um, we always, uh, we, I always heard the joke that, uh, even Kai's dad looks like DMX. And even like sometimes even during games, when, uh, people show Kai and his dad, there's always that one guy in the comment that, that. You know, it's joking like, wow, wait, DMX is his father? So I've always kind of had an affinity for DMX in that regard. Um, you know, I've, I've heard some of his major hits and stuff like that. Um, but I'm not even going to sit here and lie and say that I was the biggest DMX fan. Uh, I just, I thought his voice was funny. I thought I thought he was charismatic. I, the one thing I did respect about him is anybody that's a DMX fan, they love DMX. He's got one of those followings, kind of like J. Cole in a way where, if you are a J. Cole fan, like you are a diehard fan. I've never heard anybody like, yeah, I like DMX. No, no, no. If you're a DMX fan, you are like a diehard DMX fan. Um, so I've always respected him in that regard. Um, you don't know like, too much of like the stats of his music. No, no, I'm not. Okay, so, I, so I, I'm happy I can, you know, I know you like little factoids, especially about hip hop and the culture and, and whatnot. So like I said, he dropped two albums back to back in 98, right? His debut, Dark and Hell is Hot, which is a classic. And it, since you, you know, you're not that big into it, Rough Riders Anthem is on that album. Stop uh, Being Greedy okay. is on that album. How It's Going Down is on that album. Uh, Niggas Done Started Something is on that album. That's a classic album from start to finish. And that's exactly where I would point you to just to listen to DMX at his best, essentially. Like mm-hmm. the dude, as we know today, has always fought demons. So his prayers on his albums never felt like a gimmick, even though some of his detractors tried to make it seem like it was a gimmick. Yeah. And then he dropped another album the same year. Both of those albums went number one. He sold 5 million of his debut album. Wow. And then in the first week, the first week of his second album that year, he he went gold and that album went four times platinum. Wow. That's, that's when, one year. That's not even back when you had to buy CDs. So that's that's important. Yes. This is back when you had to physically go out and get these units, either CDs or cassettes back then. Right. And then it wasn't until 99, 2000. And then there was X when he was like the pop star, where What's My Name was his hit song, where he was standing up the MTV uh, Awards, right? Where he had the song What, what These Bitches Want with Cisco. All those songs on his third album which went six times platinum wow and that was released in december 1999 i was 10 i remember that was like my favorite shit ever like back then when that dropped it was dmx it was like ice cube it was pretty much the family values tour slash the woodstock uh concert when it came to my musical tastes at that time yeah so well i do want to point that out too uh, and I know you've seen the clip of him, like, at that festival. It's Woodstock 99. Right, Woodstock 99. So, again, that just shows how powerful this dude was, man. He had, like, a sea of people 
word for word, bar for bar, like just hyped and, and rapping every single lyric he had. Not People don't understand. Not too many artists can do that, man. Not too many artists can do that. Well, if you've never seen DMX's Woodstock performance, the entire performance is on YouTube and it's easily found online. If you're yeah. a music fan, you don't even have to be a hip hop fan. You can appreciate the energy that yeah, DMX exactly. brings to a live. Yeah. I've seen DMX twice in my life live. He did not disappoint me either time. He was, it was the last time was in 2019 and he was sober. And the first time was in 2012 and he was not sober. But both times were awesome. I just want to point that out. I just want to say I've seen them twice and both times I have great memories of it. They were two completely different venues to seven years apart, which in DMX years, AKA dog years, you know how long that can be. So, and, and, and just to, just to think about what you just said, right? You, I'm not that big in the DMX. Even, you know, like, Oh, that festival clip. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that before because it's like a musical moment in, in Western culture, essentially. Woodstock right. 99 goes down as an L for the culture because it wasn't peaceful. It, it had a lot of problems. But the DMX Act, the Limp Biscuit Act of those concerts are so 1999 that it's a piece of Americana now. And DMX was a movie star back then. Like, yeah. You, yeah. like think about this, man. You, you, you're casually saying X gonna give it to you because that's like the, the, probably the most played song of his 20 years later. Right, but he had a relationship with Aaliyah. I'm not saying like a romantic one. I'm just saying like he was very close with Aaliyah. So, and when she died, he he was the one that dropped the prayer on the "I Miss You" video. Mm. Like DMX, you can't tell the story of Aaliyah. You can't tell the story of Jay Z. You can't tell the story of Fifty Cent because Fifty Cent's intertwined with Ja Rule. Who you can't tell the Ja Rule story without talking about DMX. You can't tell the Lock story without talking about DMX. DMX got a song with Biggie. Yeah, I mean, well, that, but that's and that's my point. Somebody who is not, especially old school hip hop, who's not nearly into that as you are. I even said you cannot tell the story of hip hop without DMX. So if a casual like me, that's the word everybody uses now, right? If yeah. a casual like me knows that DMX is so integral to the to the history of hip hop and history of the culture, that just tells you how big this guy is. And and his fourth and fifth albums would also debut at number one. And they would all go multi-platinum. Like The Great Depression, his fourth album. I think that's his most slept on album. That's the one with uh, Who We Be and We Right Here on it. And that uh, went triple platinum. And, and, and that was like the first one that people were like, eh, which I don't think is fair because I think that's a really, really good album. It stands up today. The production's on point. Another thing, before I even start talking about his fifth album, he was signed to Def Jam. He came up during the best era in my opinion, of Def Jam. I know, you know, some old heads are going to be mad about the 80s, but his Def Jam, I've been saying who it is. Jay-Z, DMX, Ja Rule, and you can clown Ja Rule all you want, but guess what? In 1999, 2000, he was one of the most popular people on the planet. He was. He was. And Def Jam was making money. DMX was Rough Riders. It, 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 Eve. You can't tell the story of Eve without DMX, and, and she's probably uh, well-known for Barbershop just as much as her music at this point. Right. So it's, a, and Swiss Beats is what I wanted to actually get to. There's two main producers with Swiss Beats and Dame Grease. Dame Grease is more of the underground head. Hip hop heads will know who he is, has heard him before. If you're a little bit younger, you probably heard his production with Max B. When it comes to Swiss Beats, if you don't know who Swiss Beats is and you're listening to this podcast, thank you. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. But Swiss Beats is currently married to Alicia Keys and is one of the most famous hip hop producers of literally all time. And he, and he created the verses in the last year, which is one of the, the hottest things in the culture now. So 
there would be no Swiss beats without DMX because that Rough Riders anthem is a Swiss beats beat. Yeah. So by the time Grand Champ came out, and look at just listen to how fast this was 98, now it's 2003, 2004. His fifth album debuted at number one. And it was at the time he was DMX as the only musical artist in history to release five consecutive albums, his entire catalog at the time that debuted at number one. And that album has Where the Hood At and Get On the Floor. Mm. Like his first five albums, consecutive number ones in a span of from 1998 to 2004. Wow. That's greatness, man. That's greatness. That's an era. There's an era that goes through DMX, especially with the movies, because you don't even have to like hip hop. So most people like one or two DMX movies. Mm-hmm. But the and, and hot take of the pod, Belly's overrated. Visually, it's cool. As far as the movie goes, it is a terrible movie. But <laughs> like, it is so of the time, and that's what you're watching it for. You're watching it for Hype Williams more than more than Nas's acting, because it's not even DMX in that movie. It's more Nas. Nas can't act, but. It was, and then, you know, 2004, 2005, his spat with Def Jam, he leaves because of money, you know, same old musical story. He signs to Columbia Records, switching labels caused numerous delays. He wouldn't drop again until I think 2006, so a couple of years. And he, and, and at this point, that's when X Gun Give It To You was the song. I think, you know, like there was a bunch of, you could, it was spiraling. You know, people. He, his music wasn't growing like Jay Z's was. His Bloodline record label, which was a sub label of Rough Riders, as you can tell, you know, almost two decades later, didn't really pop off like he wanted to. His personal life has been bereft. His whole, you know, I don't know if that's the right word. It's been terrible. He he had a rough upbringing. He's had numerous runs in, run-ins with the law he's had numerous feuds in hip-hop he, he's been bipolar his whole life according to him he's been addicted to literally crack cocaine uh since around 14 years old what do you do like as a human being what do you want out of life when you're this guy who essentially got on top of the world after being in the gutter yeah his rap sheet is so long it's it's kind of here. I'm on the Wikipedia for legal issues, so take it with a grain of salt. When, when you know, just so you guys know, it's Wikipedia. But his first time in prison was 1986 after stealing a dog from a junkyard. That's awesome. Wait a minute. That's awesome. <laughs> he he was sentenced to two years in the juvenile unit of Woodfield Prison in in Valhalla, New York. However, just weeks after starting his sentence, he and his cellmate successfully escaped prison and DMX returned home to New York until his mother forced him to turn himself in and finish his sentence, which he did at the McCormick Juvenile Detention Center in Brooktondale, New York. Simmons was sent to prison again in 1988 for carjacking and was later moved to a higher security prison after attempting to extort a fellow inmate for drugs. He was released in the summer of 1988. Wow. Mind you, that's a decade before he's rapping, right? And he and he was noticed for be, for freestyling. If you like, you brought up the '99 clip. There's famous clips of him freestyling in, in, in you know, with legends now. But he, his that energy that you know him for, he could do that through a freestyle. And as you know, with his voice, it sounds like he's a preacher. Mm-hmm. Like the dude 
has demons and that's what really messed it up because any other era if he just was raised right he'd be one of the most charismatic preachers to ever pick up a bible but a little we're not done we're way over way before his rap sheet being over because i said i'd read some of it that was the tip of the iceberg 1998 to 99 officers of the fort lee police department executed a search of his home in 99 and dmx rented himself on weapons charges he faced in 99 he faced animal cruelty charge in teaneck new jersey after a dozen pit bulls were found in his home there and the charge was later dismissed after the performer agreed to accept responsibility and record public service announcements for an animal rights group which is crazy to hear now because like all the things you know about DMX, I'm pretty sure cruelty to animals is just not one of them. Like, mm -hmm. dude loves dogs. Let's be real. Like, yeah, yeah, his whole thing is about dogs. Yeah, yeah he has a he has the a fact that like three of his four crimes so far have been dog related is ridiculous. And, no, and he has the tattoo of his pit bull on him, like yeah. the one that like he, he has, like he might that would have been the one he was stealing. Tell you the truth, but in 2000 he served a 15 day sentence for possession of weed. He served another jail sentence in 01 for driving without a license and possession of weed. His appeal was re uh, to reduce the sentence was denied and he was charged with assault for throwing objects at prison guards. DMX entered rehab to treat his addiction in 02. In January 02, he pleaded guilty to 13 counts of animal cruelty, two counts of maintaining a nuisance and one count uh, each of disorderly conduct and possession of drug paraphernalia. You know, he plea bargained and public service announcements with the guns and animal abuse again. In June 2004, I'm a, I'm a freshman going, going into be a sophomore at this point. I remember this. He was arrested at JFK Airport on cocaine possession, criminal impersonation, criminal possession of a weapon, criminal mischief, menacing, and driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol while claiming to be a federal agent and attempting to carjack a vehicle. You get all that? Wow. You, you, don't, you never heard of that? No, I do kind of. 2004, was I? I was in sixth grade. Oh, I so DMX, I remember this because he was pretending to be an agent and trying to steal this dude's car at JFK Airport. I'm not going to lie, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. In November 2005, he was sentenced to 70 days in jail for violating parole. A lateness charge added a 10-day extension to the original 60-day sentence, and he was released on good behavior by December 30th, 2005. No, we're not done far from it I, I feel like if i you know praising the man's art you got to know the tormented soul behind the art and once again this is just scratching the surface of these charges may 2008 arrested on drug and animal cruelty charges after attempting to barricade himself inside his arizona home dmx pleaded guilty to charges of drug possession theft animal cruelty at a hearing and he was sentenced to 90 days in jail uh, on january 31st 2009 on may 22nd 2009 he entered a plea agreement and blah, yada 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 pleaded guilty to an attempted aggravated assault serving four of the six months he was released in july 2010 that day a television pilot was filmed to portray his road to recovery however dmx was arrested three weeks later and the pilot did not evolve into a series. Mm. July 2010, you're starting to notice a theme, but it's always the summer. DMX turned himself into LA Metropolitan Court for reckless driving charge he received back in 2002, so eight years prior to this. And, and he, he was sentenced to serve 90 days in jail. This dude's already had a couple of years with just these little 60, 70, 90 days. Yeah. He was then arrested in, in November 2010 in Maricopa County, Arizona, 
for violating his probation by consuming alcohol at a performance. And he was moved to a mental health unit in the Arizona State Prison in December 2010 and released in 2011. In August 2011, he was arrested for speeding, going 102 and a 65, which out here in the tri-state ain't that bad. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a Wednesday. Reckless driving and driving with a suspended license. DMX admitted to speeding. He claimed he was driving 85, not 102. That's the most East Coast thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't speeding. I was going 85. That's still 20 miles over, bro. In February 2013, he was arrested in Spartanburg, South Carolina for driving without a license. In July 2016, in July 2013, he was arrested again in Greenville County, South Carolina, charged with driving under the influence of alcohol as well as driving without a license. Why is it this dude like got somebody driving for him? Right. Uber, I don't think Uber was a thing. No, it wasn't back in 2013. It was not a thing yet, but he's fucking DMX. In August 2013, he was arrested again in Greer, South Carolina during a traffic stop after he was a passenger and made an impromptu U-turn. He was arrested due to an outstanding warrant for driving under suspicion. Four packages of marijuana were also found in the vehicle, and he, along with the driver, were cited for them. November, November of the same year, 2013, he was arrested again in Greenville Spartanburg International Airport <laughs> by police who were who were familiar with his prior arrest and noticed DMX behind the wheel of a vehicle at the terminal. Mm. And yes, driving under suspension, having an uninsured vehicle, and not having a license. So pretty, pretty much 13, 2013 was all the same charge. 2015, arrested again. June 26, 2015, arrested in New York, charged with robbery in Newark and outstanding child support. July 2015, sentenced to six months in jail for failing to pay $400,000 in child support. December 2015, an arrest warrant was issued for DMX after he missed a court hearing to address the child support issues with his ex-wife, Tashira Simmons, and their four children. I think that's his first wife. And then 2017 to 2019, he was charged with 14 federal counts of tax fraud. Prosecutors charged him with failing to file income tax returns from 2010 to 2015, a period when he earned at least 2.3 million. And DMX pleaded guilty to a single count of tax fraud in 2017. And yeah, that seems to be, he was sentenced to one year in prison followed by three years of supervised release. The court ordered DMX to pay $2.29 million in restitution to the government. He was released from prison in January of 2019. Wow. Well, I mean... What a 20 years. I pretty much covered in a nutshell, obviously. 99 or 98 to 2019. So 21 years of this man's life. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is most of that in the 2010s was basically just petty stuff like Yo, just stop driving a car. Like they're looking for you, and so every time you get in the car, you're gonna get pulled over. So, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, he had he had you know. There's a good and a bad to everything, right? There's a a beautiful side, and and he said battling demons. Um, there's a lot of drugs in in those uh, arrests. A lot of uh, you know, just signs of a guy that just needed help, and I don't. And a lot of times when you're that big, I don't know how many people are willing to help or wanting to help. They just want, you know, they, they just want to be part of your life. They don't want to be helpful to your life. So 
who knows? Who knows if he was getting the help that he really needed, um, which is unfortunate, which is unfortunate. Oh, it, it's it's even more unfortunate because he never stopped being a legend. Yeah. Like even his worst album isn't terrible, but you could just tell when he wasn't, when he was rapping to rap and not rapping because he felt that in his heart, which is something that is so clear for a rapper like him. Yeah. Like he is nothing but soul. Like, yeah, he's angry. He has the voice, which obviously for most people is the hit or miss part. But he, as you know, he has a charismatic and a voice that can capture your attention. So if you don't think he's actually telling his truth, whatever his truth may be, or he's telling a story like he used to, it's just not the same. So the collaborators he came up with, how is Jay-Z going to make a song with DMX when DMX has not grown in two decades? Yeah. The, like Jay-Z in 1998 sounded so much different than Jay-Z in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Same goes for, for Swiss Beats. Yeah, people get on him because a lot of his drums are the same. But Swiss Beats, 2010 to now, was production was much different than Swiss Beats, 98 to 2008. Like, he didn't grow with his generation. And it just sucks because he was just as big as a Snoop Dogg, a Jay-Z, a Dre. Like, he was a boss. He was his own boss. Like it's one of the East Coast things that if you know we're doing the Anchorman style, all the clicks show up, and you see the Rough Riders show up with Prime DMX, that's one of the best artists of of that era. Like, yeah. like they still play Party Up, they still play Rough Riders Anthem. Two yeah. decades later in the club, that's saying something. Everyone knows the words to Party Up. You're not even a big DMX fan. You know what Party Up you know when it comes on. So yeah. I just I just think it's an X gonna give it to you is another one. That one is like one of those songs where I'm sure people that don't even know who DMX is know that song. Because that's in commercials, that's in movies, it's everywhere. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I'm saying X gonna give it to you because like I said, I'm trying to be positive. And I'm saying if anybody can recover from this, it is DMX. So that's what that's why I kept saying X, X gonna give it to you, because that's my way of saying, like, look, bro, we we praying for you. I know, you know, as you, I mean, as you just read, like he's been through mad stuff. Uh, he's been able to survive it all. So I'm hoping that he can recover. I'm hoping that this is finally the turning point for his life. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a, you know, when you're at a near death experience and you can recover from that, hopefully that is what he needs to turn his life around. Cause I, like I said, I'm just going to keep speaking positively because um, X don't give it to you. Like, I'm just going to keep saying it because I, I truly believe if anybody can recover from this, it's him. And I'm going to read his early life because I glossed over it before, but I think when you're just thinking like, why is this dude like this? And this really goes back to, you know, nature and nurture. And, and he was born in Mount Vernon, New York in 1970, the son of a 19-year-old Arnett Simmons and an 18-year-old Joe Barker. He was raised in Yonkers. He has no middle name and at birth he was simply named Earl. Earl was the second child of Arnett who had given birth to a daughter two years prior, as well as one, another daughter and two stillborn sons after Earl. Barker did not want Simmons to keep her son and cut off almost all contact with the family as soon as Earl was born. As a child, he suffered greatly from bronchial asthma, being taken to the emergency room almost nightly due to him waking up unable to breathe. He, he was brought up 
as a Jehovah's Witness. And at some point in childhood, Simmons was hit by a drunk driver while crossing the street and suffered minor injuries. He claims his family could have received as much as $10,000 in a legal settlement, but his mother refused to open a case as she claimed it went against her faith. Simmons went through a disjointing childhood, including being beaten by his mother and various boyfriends so badly that he lost teeth and sustained numerous bruises and cuts on his face. When Simmons was five years old, his family settled in Yonkers, New York. At the end of the fifth grade, Simmons was kicked out of school and sent to the Julia Dykeman Audris Children's Home for 18 months. When he was 14, Simmons began wandering the streets of Yonkers to escape his mother's abuse and eventually found comfort in befriending stray dogs that walked the streets at night. Shortly after he began doing this, his mother once again sent him to a boy's home. During his stay at the boy's home, he bonded with other students from New York over the shared love of hip hop. After performing for his friends, they encouraged Simmons to continue writing music to the behest of his teacher. When he returned home, Simmons met Reddy Ron, a local rapper who impressed with Simmons beatboxing, beatboxing skills, asked him to become his partner. Simmons chose the name DMX, which came from an instrument he had used at the boys' home, the Oberheim DMX drum machine. It was later interpreted as Dark Man X. Mm. His whole story is a tragedy. Yeah. And like you're saying, man, hopefully this ain't the end. Because I could have did this pod at any point. And to be fair, two years ago when my wife wanted to go see DMX and I was excited. I, temp- I, I, I tempered her expectations because I know who DMX is. And if he's fucked up, who knows what kind of show we're going to get if we get a show at all because he's known for no showing. So I'm a lucky one. Both times I went to go see DMX, not only did I get to see him, he wasn't late and he was, he was, the show was awesome. Like I got one of my favorite shows. So when I woke up this morning and heard that he's not doing well, because when you hear DMX overdosed, he, he's like, like how people thought Tupac, oh, you got shot again? Well, he'll be back. Like DMX overdosed, okay. You know, but then when you hear about the lack of response and it's not looking too good, it's crazy. Because this man, that's why when, uh, when it came to XXX and, and Tacion or however you say that late young man's name, mm-hmm. I was like, no, he's not X. DMX is X. Like, if there's an entity in the hip-hop culture, hip-hop world, hip-hop universe, X is the dark man. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's where we are right now. I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll attach some songs at the end of this, some uh, deep cuts from his album. Maybe I'll do a whole separate dope radio for it. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about one of my favorite rappers while he's still here. Yeah. Now we, and we hear it all the time. Give them their flowers while they're still here. Cause you never know. And like you said, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if any day you did a dope blog radio to DMX. Cause you talk about DMX all the time. Um, and so I understand why you really wanted to do this pod today. Um, and at first, and I'm not, and I'll, I'll be honest. At first I was like, no, nah, let's not do it today. Let's wait. Let's see what's going on with it first. But more I thought about it, I was like, no, do it now. It's, it's appropriate to do it now um, while he's still here because, you know, we just want to say we're praying for him. We hope he makes a full recovery, and I'm going to say it again. X going to give it to you. I'm just going to keep saying that until he until he walks out of the hospital. You need to check out uh, the tracks Damien and Damien 3. Did you ever listen to those? No. You should because that shows – and Damien's off his first album. It's a story. 
Like it's him telling a story. It's him getting involved with Damien. And there's people that believe Damien's the devil. They believe that Damien just represents that toxic person in the hood, like however you want to interpret it. But if there's a, a deep cut that is well known, at least among DMX fans, it is Damien. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I saw him in 2019, he, he was, it was like one of the last stops on his tour. He was in Philly and he was joking with this older white dude, mind you, he's 50 now. So he's 48 in the story. And he's like, he was joking only DMX. And he's like, and I, I, I love my shows because uh, I get all these different women. They're all beautiful, all different ages, 18 to 50. It's wonderful. And now there's all these different dudes. Like the other night, I saw this white guy, 50-year-old white guy. I'm like, what's this old ass nigga doing in my show? Then I realized I'm old too. <laughs> like, like, you know, cracking jokes and everything. And he's like, he's like, what are you, the dad of somebody? You're not really here. And he's like, no, I'm a fan of you. Oh yeah, I, I think I'm going to catch him. So I'm like, what's your favorite song? And he's like, Damien. I was like, ain't no way he likes Damien. So I started playing Damien and yeah, there he is, front row, rapping every single word. And it's like, it's just crazy that DMX doesn't think that somebody his age, a white guy his age, would know all the words to his song that's 20 something years old now. It's just crazy. But then again, you see all the demons he's fought with his whole life. I don't think he's aware of how loved he is. Yeah. Because you can't be, right? I mean, and that, and that and that that also goes to a bigger purpose. I mean, when you talk about depression, when you talk about drug use, from, a lot of that is you don't even know, man. A lot of that is you don't even know your own greatness. You know what I mean? That that that's a telling story for you to not realize who you are in the context of hip hop history. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, dudes your age are probably rapping your lyrics. You know, like I said, I I have friends, and again, a lot of it is their dads who are listening to DMX. Who are, you know what I mean? Like who are you know their friends and their dads are listening to DMX because they grew up in that era. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you know that's sad. That's sad. And I totally believe that because when you deal with depression, when you deal with drug use, when you deal with anxiety and stuff like that, you sometimes don't get to that perspective. You know what I mean? So I can only imagine a guy like him fighting his demons. Fight, probably wondering what's his purpose in life, not even realize he touched an entire generation of people. Um, and that's- Why is it every time I move, I make a turn out to be a bad one? Where's my guardian aid one, need one, wish I had one? That's the first bars of Damien. Yeah, see, I tell you. Yeah, you, you should do yourself a favor and listen to that first album if you never listened to it straight through. Because- it's crazy to me that there was people back then, like contemporaries in the hip hop magazine world, because back then it was the source, double XL, et cetera, right? Writing that he, like they considered DMX another Tupac wannabe. And the only associate, the only like way I can associate those two is they're shorter, bald black dudes that wrapped with their shirt off. Those are like the only real comparisons, unless you start making these like macro observations of, well, they rap about their personal demons. Like there's not too many similarities, but back then they were comparing him to Tupac. Tupac had just died. There's this bald dude from New York that's an artist essentially and putting out music. Like the amount of music he released from like 97 to 99 is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Because I didn't even touch on his tracks with the Rough Riders, like on their compilations and mixtapes and, and and the different albums there. So I didn't even bring that up. But yeah, 
it's it's here we are and so everyone listening you got your homework to do go listen to your favorite dmx album if you don't have a favorite dmx album figure out which one of the albums is your favorite if you want better lyrics go the first three albums if you want more bangers great depression and grand champ have a lot of the club hits on them too but we'll see yeah. I would, I'm not going to imitate DMX and say a prayer, though. Don't worry. <laughs> Look, you can find me at Never for Brett Me. That's N-E-V-A underscore the number four B-R-E-T-T underscore M-E on both Instagram and Twitter. And we're at the dope blog, the underscore dope blog on Instagram at www.thedope.blog. And I guess I'm going to have to write uh, discussing the excellence of... Wait, wait, where can I find you at? Bro, you do this all the time. Why do you only shout out the dope blog and not yourself? I'm not that important. Ah, uh, so you don't do that. Tell them where they find you. Not the Chuck D on, on all the socials. Peace. X gonna give it to you. I'm ill. I'm ill. Sicker than your average. I'm ill. I'm ill. Sicker than your average. What the fucker? I'm ill. What the fucker? I'm ill. Sicker than your average.